We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. High school quarterback is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. It's Derek C. Apollo with another edition of the show. It's back to a tour in the league. We have the Browns. And the Commanders for our tour check this week, and they have been playing each other this Friday night in Cleveland. So we're going to be talking with them. And before we get there, we just want to give a word out to our sponsors. Here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so first on our agenda here today, the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, a team low with talent, a team that has all kinds of good stuff going for them, and yet the problem has been they have not finished the job. So what we want to do here is get the word out on the Browns for 2023 in one of the league's toughest divisions and see what the, what the word is. Here you go, Brad Ward, talking about the Cleveland Browns. All right, folks, I am here with Brad Ward. He hosts the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast with the Blue Wire Network, and we're here to look at the Cleveland Browns as part of our tour around the league, something that we do every year, take a tour around the NFL, getting to learn about what's going on to other teams besides our own, and hopefully learn some things, as, especially because we're playing the Browns this year. Although, I don't think you guys will get much of a game from from us. I'm sorry to say. Like, <laughs> it's not looking too good in our land. But, you know, you know, there's a lot of people who are more optimistic than I am, Brad. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. You don't lose that much talent that quickly and be good to go right away. So, it's all right. You got a Super Bowl out of it. You pick your, pick your licks and then you keep moving forward from there. And hopefully the Browns get theirs sooner rather than later. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me, Derek. But first of all, um, yeah, I mean, it was totally worth it, though. You got, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's all right. There's a little fallout after that. But, you know, F them picks, right? That's what they <laughs> they say out there. <laughs> and uh, went and got one, right? So that, that's what matters. So well, the, the funny that. Th- the funny thing is, is, you know, I live in Ohio, and, and most of my family are Browns fans, so I'm well aware of the pain and suffering that comes with it. And I am pretty much can guarantee you anybody who is a Browns fan would, at this point, sell their soul for one Super yes. Bowl win. So at that point, you know, F those picks, you know, take the sh- take your shoot your shot, you know. Yeah. Nobody here is going to complain about that. And yet yeah. the Rams are facing criticism. Now, how come they can't do what the Chiefs did? How come they did this? You know what? Fair criticism, but guess what? You still got a ring. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, the Browns it's will, hard. will kill for that. The Lions will kill yeah. for that. The Cardinals will kill for that. Yeah, you said it, brother. We absolutely would. One, everybody says, you know, just, just, one before, just one before I die. That's all they want around here. Just one before I die. And then... You know, it's uh, all of those fan bases would uh, would give up uh, anything for that. And it's interesting, though, um, that uh, Rams fans, you know, criticize and you look at like the Chiefs and stuff. But it's a different scenario when you have a quarterback that you can retool around every year. Right. So it's it's a different it's a different type of thing. So. Yeah, you know, quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes are their generational talents. Yeah. And as as good a quarterback as Matt Stafford is, he's not a generational talent. He's a very good quarterback. 
He may make the Hall of Fame one day. He might not. Who knows? But Pat Mahomes right now, we know, is pretty much a given. As long as he stays healthy, that man's walking through the halls one day. He's not even 30 yet. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, they are. Uh, they have literally, well, they're in the Hopkins sweepstakes now, but uh, they have, you know, basically just downgraded their wide receiver core every year and just put more on him and, you know, worked out last year, probably work out this year. So, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, when the window is open for those teams, as long as like, you know, when Joe Burrow's there and, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes is there, the window remains open for their whole career. So that's nice. So let's, let's shift gear and talk about the Browns. And then you have, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, guaranteed money galore. He comes back off suspension last year, doesn't look great. Uh, I will give him benefit of the doubt. He missed a year of NFL football, takes some adjustment. What is the feeling right now around the Browns as, as we're moving closer and closer to training camp? Uh, it's a mixed bag, right? You've got uh, a lot of people that want to see it. Um, and nationally i know people want to see it and aren't really giving him the benefit of the day you know he missed two seasons 700 days of football right uh since he played a game uh between games so it was but there was flashes right there was flashes of you know uh what deshaun was in 2020 and that's the form that you hope he returns to as a browns fan and somebody that covers the team and um, you hope that he can return to that format. You know, th- there was small steps last year. Like he, he began to look a little more comfortable running the offense and things like that. Now they are re you know, this is a different offense. They're going to roll out this year. This is very much, um, Kevin Stefanski and, and company have pretty much, if you read, you know, follow the breadcrumbs, it sounds like it's going to be, uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, based offense, pretty much anything he's comfortable with, what he does well, everything is kind of uh, slanted to accommodate him, which is how you should do it, um, for sure. So I expect to see a lot more passing of the ball. I think they're going to transition into a uh, faster paced, more throwing which a lot of people aren't happy about around here because nick chubb's a pretty popular guy in cleveland (laughs) and uh um as you probably know uh but uh i think that we will see a different offense this year and you know it's hard you can't tell much from you know what they've had two weeks of otas and they'll have mini camp next week but uh you know from the people that i know that have Seen him, they say he's throwing a good ball, and that's about all you can tell. Now they're playing on air right now, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. So, uh, you know, you got to see it, right? You want to, you have to see it from him first. Um, but I'm certainly hopeful that he will return, or at least he doesn't even have to return to 2020 for him, Derek. He just has to return to anything close to that. Um, and I think they'll be fine. So. Now, when you're looking at this team, a lot has been made about, you know, the Bengals being the Bengals now in a, a new generation with Joe Burrow leading them. And they are actually, you know, a team that's a Super Bowl contender. You look at yeah. the Steelers who had a wonderful draft. They're, they're adding good pieces and all of a sudden they're looking like they're heading back the right direction. 
The Ravens are always going to be the Ravens, are always competitive. And you really, I mean, on, from a nationalist thing, you haven't heard much about the Browns. You look down the roster, it's a solid roster. Where do, where are they overall as, as, a, as a roster right now? Where do you think maybe they're being underestimated or overestimated across the league? Um, this is going to sound really homerish and biased, uh, but I truly believe it that, um, you know, the past few years they have been thrown into those, the group of, you know, super talented roster, right? And then they haven't lived up to it. Um, I think this roster is wildly talented, uh, and I'm glad that they aren't being talked about right like you want to be under the radar the browns have never done well with expectations right so as as much as those expectations can remain curbed uh nationally i think the better right and the more they're out of the news and not at the top of power rankings the better but i think if you look at what um the roster they had and then what they did in the Free agency, which they were, uh, Andrew Barry was very aggressive, and um, what they did in the draft, you know, without a first and second round pick, um, they did well, I think, to add weapons, uh, to shore up the defense. You're talking a lot about a lot of changes, you know, they bring Jim Schwartz in to take over the defense. Uh, Bubba Ventrone to take over special teams, a couple coaching changes that I think were sorely needed, um, get Joe Woods out of here. And then, um, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, Juan Thornhill, Rodney McLeod, uh, Obunaya Okoronkwo, an ascending edge from the Texans. And then most recently Zadarius Smith. Uh, so, uh, which is probably the best supporting cast off the edge that Miles has had in his career. So. Uh, and then, you you know, in the wide receiver room, you had guys like Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin, who's had a good couple of days at OTAs and uh, to, uh, you know, Amari Cooper and um, Donovan Peoples-Jones and draft Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, who is who is very much a, uh, a an electric athlete, big, tall athlete, physical guy. So um, and I think that, you know. That where they suffered the most last year, Derek, was up the middle. Just teams had a field day running on them, right? Um, they could not stop dead last in the run. And at one point, it was a historically bad run defense. Uh, so they paid big money to Dalvin Tomlinson uh, to come in and sure that up. They t- they drafted Siaka Ika, um, who is a l- large human being who will play up the middle. And they brought in a couple lotto guys that have been hurt uh, like a Tristan Hill and a Maurice Hurst whose careers haven't gone the way they probably like, but we're t- are talented guys, but just haven't been able to stay healthy, see what they can get from them. And I, and I think more than anything with the added talent up the middle, the, the change of approach with uh, Jim Schwartz will make a big difference there too. So, so, I'm high on the roster. I'm super high on the roster. I think the roster is loaded with talent. Um, I think they're deep. um, And I think the AFC North is going to be a a rock fight through and through. I was wondering, you know, in terms of Kevin Szymanski, highly regarded coming and had a great first season. It's been a little (laughs) since then. Yeah. You hear more (laughs) criticism of him now. 
than ever, really. And I was just wondering at this point, you know, where does he stand? Is he on the hot seat if they don't pull us around this year? How is he viewed within the organization? I think the organization views him differently than the fan base does. I think the organization is very likes him a ton, but I do think he is on the hot seat. Like, um, it's unfortunate the way their season starts, right? Like they go Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, and then a week uh, five bye, which I think is the earliest week uh, bye week you can have. But you get three division games in four weeks, right, to start the season, and mm-hmm. um, that right there is going to be. I mean, if if they struggle out of the gate in those divisional games, they're going to be people calling for his job, right? Um, because that nobody is going to want to blame Watson and you're invested in Watson for the next four years. So regardless, if it doesn't work, Derek, you know, he's going to be the scapegoat and that's just the way that works. Right. You know, he is expendable. However, your $230 million guaranteed quarterback is not at this point. So they will, if that's what, if it fails this year, offensively, if that's where it fails, I, I can imagine, I can see him losing his job probably uh, if they don't make it to the playoffs. Now looking at the AFC though, this that's making the playoffs in the AFC is it's a tall task. So let's be honest, it's, it's a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's the power conference, and you're looking across. Now you have the in the AFC East, the, the Bills, the Jets. Who <laughs> I mean, last time I saw the Jets trade for a Green Bay quarterback at age ninety five thousand. He didn't do too well there, but, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> you know, the, so you have the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins in the AFC East alone. The North is loaded. The AFC West has the Chiefs and the Chargers, who on paper are competitive. I Looking at this conference, it's much stronger than the NFC, and that really doesn't bode well for the Browns. So show me some silver linings here. If you know how confident are you that this team breaks past this, you know all the challenges in this juggernaut of a conference and makes the playoff. So the one the, the one silver lining I will say is that they they luckily uh, schedule wise, um, despite the fast start, uh, the AFC North although they will beat up on each other they do get the uh, NFC West and the AFC South I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, those are uh, that's a favorable schedule. Uh, and the Browns are playing a fourth place schedule as well. So in those extra games, they're getting teams like the Texans and all well, there are in the South, but uh, other not so. Uh, well, the Jets are one of those games. Right. So um, I don't know. So, yeah. So it, it looks like that uh, they will. They, they look like they have a rather easy schedule. Right. The Bears. Or slide in there as one of those uh, games. You get the Bengals, Steelers, game. Titans, yeah. Ravens. That's your first four. Niners. That's, okay, so, yeah, that's yeah. a tough first so, five. It's a very tough early. But then you get a stretch down the, you know, on the back end there where you're going to get the, uh, 
uh, you know, you're going to get Denver, which I don't know what they are going to be. Right. And it's kind of it's always difficult to prognosticate the schedule like this because teams end up being something that we never imagined. Right. So uh, and it ends up you end up playing quarterbacks that you never thought you'd play. So <laughs> a lot of years. So and then they get the Rams, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Texans, the Jets, uh, and then they end at the Bengals. But so it's not like easy. Um, the Cardinals are in there. Seattle's in there. The Colts are in there. So it's not an easy schedule, but I'd say that the, if the you know in the AFC, um, I think that gives a little bit of an advantage to an AFC. I think you'll see probably two at least two AFC North teams get in the playoffs. Um, so if if they can hang around in there and be better than the Ravens and, and the Steelers, I think they have a good shot and I think they can challenge the Bengals. I really do. Uh, But here's what it comes down to, right? Like I think they have a loaded roster. I think their defense will be much better than it was last year, but it all comes down to Watson, right? Like you, you, we can hash out the roster up and down, but if he doesn't perform, then they will, then they'll be, you know, non-existent as a uh, a threat again. But if he plays up to his potential, um, then I think they have a real legitimate chance to uh, challenge for the division. All right. So can you let people know where to find all of your work, where to find on social media? Because you're a pretty good follow. Appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me at Ward on Sports. I write and... Uh, uh, podcast host streams for the Orange and Brown Report, which is the OBR uh, here in Cleveland, um, covering the Browns uh, all the time. And then uh, also uh, host and producer of All Eyes on Cleveland podcast, where all popular pod- podcasts are found there. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And you know, I think we should reschedule a meeting here. Come, you know, Sometime in December when the Rams and Browns meet up and we can. Yeah, I was just looking at that Sunday, December 3rd, uh, 425 kick uh, out at uh, SoFi Stadium. So let's uh, do something that week, huh? You got it. Looking forward to it. Talking ball. All right. So there, there you go, folks. This is Brad Ward from Word on Sports. All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. Check it out. All right, so listen, don't sleep on the Browns. Don't sleep on the Browns. And, and the reason why is they're just too low a talent. They haven't put together yet, but it's there with a couple injuries here and there in the AFC North. There's other questions in there. Uh, don't be surprised if the Browns are a playoff contender, a division contender, and then don't be surprised if they bomb out and lose 11, 12 games. But I think it's more like a 10-11 win team that will get some things done. Hopefully, that's what happens. If not, I think Kevin Stefanski's done. I think that will be it. That will be the time they let him go. So, moving on. The Washington Commanders. Check it out with Al Gualdi. All right, we're here with Al Gualdi from the Al Gualdi Show. Al, you've been covering a lot of Washington sports for a long time. Can you tell folks all about you as they, as they get to know uh, who they're hearing from today? 
Yeah, uh, I've been talking uh, Washington, D.C. sports on the radio and uh, now via podcast for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, D.C. sports, you know, that uh, so often it's not just about what's happening on the field, but uh, things happening uh, off the field and behind the scenes, especially uh, with the football team. So there's never really a shortage of things to get into, uh, but uh, hopefully we have uh, brighter days coming uh, for the football team with the sale of the team. And uh, a lot of people are excited for this coming season. So just to kind of update our fan base on what's going on all the way across the side of the, side of the country here. What exactly happened that the, the commanders are being sold? What led to, led to this point? Yeah, so uh, Dan Snyder bought the team in May 1999, and just to sort of bottom line it, he's been a terrible owner. Uh, there have been a lot of problems. The team on the field has not been good. The team off the field has had scandal and controversy and eventually investigations. And so it got to a point to where uh, this past November 2nd, Snyder announced that he was exploring potential transactions with the team. And what has ended up happening is that he is selling the team and he's uh, selling the team to a group led by Josh Harris, who. Uh, is the managing partner for two other major pro sports teams, the 76ers uh, and the Devils. Uh, the sale has not yet been approved, but uh, the anticipation is that the sale will be approved. And I really can't overstate in the Washington, D.C. area the reaction to this. It's been uh, universal joy. It's been jubilation uh, that Dan is selling the team. It just it has been really bad for really long and you know, this was a team that in the 80s and early 90s was one of the top teams in the NFL. I mean, the Redskins from 1982 through 1992 had a tremendous run. Three Super Bowl championships, four NFC championships, uh, every year essentially being a contender. And over the last 30 years or so, things have not gone so well. And a good chunk of that has been uh, under the leadership of uh, Dan Snyder. And the fact that he's selling the team really feels like a gift from the football gods uh, for a lot of us here in the D.C. area. So, you know, I think we all get it. Like, new ownership doesn't guarantee anything. And, you know, there's no guarantee that Josh Harris will be a great NFL owner. But it's hard to think that things will be worse than they have been under Dan when you look at, again, the lack of success on the field and all of the trouble off the field. There's been a major workplace misconduct scandal. There has been a financial scandal. There has been one PR blunder after another. Uh, it just has not been good. So uh, hopefully better days are ahead. So looking to the team on the field right now, they've been competitive. Not great, but competitive. And as you're looking at the draft class, as you're looking at the decisions made with, with Carson Wentz now gone, how is this team changing now from 22 to 23? Well, I think the biggest change is hopefully anyway, on offense. So this team has not been good offensively in a while. Here. Basically, since Kirk Cousins left as an unrestricted free agent in March 2018, this team has had major problems offensively, starting with the quarterback position. So you're going on five consecutive seasons of bad offense. Uh, the team in January fired its offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, in February hired Eric Bieniemy as assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. So the hope is that Bieniemy is going to come here and elevate this offense to at least, you know, a level of respectability. When it comes to quarterback, uh, the team is positioning a second-year guy, Sam Howell, to be the starting quarterback. It's not a guarantee that he'll be the starter, but he certainly is being given the opportunity to be the starter. The team uh, in March signed Jacoby Brissett as a free agent. And so 
there is a quote-unquote competition between Howell and Brissett. And I, I say it that way, quote-unquote, because a lot of people think that really this is set up for Sam to win it, and the team certainly wants Sam to win it. The team just doesn't want to hand Sam the job. I mean, he was a 2022 fifth-round pick. He only has played in one regular season game. So, you know, I think the idea of just, like, gifting him the starting job uh, doesn't sit well with some people. So uh, the head coach, Rod Rivera, sort of set up this competition. We'll see how legit the competition is. Maybe it is legit. I mean, you never know. But I think the widespread anticipation is the team wants Sam to win. And uh, unless Sam is just hideous throughout the offseason and in training camp, Sam uh, will be the starting quarterback. So those are the two big differences, the enemy and Howell. Uh, the team's offensive line last season was a mess, uh, collapsed big time off actually having been quite good the previous two seasons. So there's been uh, some change with the offensive line. The team signed Andrew Wiley, the Chiefs, signed Nick Gates from the Giants, uh, drafted a couple of guys, Ricky Stromberg and Braden Daniels. And then with the defense, it's basically a holdover from last year. The defense last season was really good. Uh, the defense went from having been a big disappointment in 2021 to being a lot better uh, this past season. And so the hope of the defense is just that, you know, the core stays healthy and that uh, some young guys continue to develop. But I actually think defensively, this team is in a good place. Just a matter of the offense being decent. Offense doesn't have to be great. If it could just be like middle of the pack, uh, that would be a substantial improvement. And, you know, this team did not miss making the playoffs by much last season with a bad offense. So if the defense is good again and the offense can be just decent, uh, there's no reason why this team can't be a postseason team. You mentioned the draft class. And you specifically Ricky Stromberg, uh, they're at third round. Two corners, first and second round. Talking about a defense that was pretty good. Why the two corners when you had when you need offensive help? Why the two corners for the first two rounds? Yeah, I think they approached the draft, and I, I mean personally, I'm a fan of this. Of you take the best player available, and I think they viewed those guys as the best players on the board at those given times. Um, the team needed offensive line help more than it needed secondary help. But the way the draft played out with a bunch of offensive tackles going prior to the commander's number 16 overall pick, uh, I think the team didn't want to force just taking an offensive lineman for the sake of taking an offensive lineman. And I actually applaud that. So uh, the team got itself this guy, Emmanuel Forbes, the uh, corner out of Mississippi State. He was not uh, necessarily viewed as like a top two or even three corner in this draft. Uh, in terms of like the prevailing opinion. But there are plenty of people who like him a lot. I had on uh, my show uh, Scott McClue in the former Skins GM. Uh, his work with the Seahawks, the 49ers. He loved Forbes. Forbes is an interesting guy because he is like rail thin, but he's got length and he was an interception machine at Mississippi State. And so there's a feeling of if he can come here and replicate that to any extent, that's going to actually elevate this defense. If there was a nit to pick with the defense last season, uh, it was a lack of takeaways. And the team did need some help at corner if you want to play the need game. And then the defensive back who the team took in the second round, Quan Morton, uh, got him from Illinois. Illinois loaded it in the secondary this past season. And Morton is kind of one of these modern, you know, all-purpose defensive backs. He can play nickel. He can play in the box. He can play free safety. He can even play boundary corner if you really need him to. And so that's a guy who could help. Morton could actually end up being their primary nickel guy. So, I think that was the thinking in going defensive back, defensive back. It certainly surprised some people, but like I said, I think the team viewed these guys as more or less the best players on the board at the time. And uh, I actually think that's the best way to do the draft. 
So I, I was totally fine with them doing that. Now, looking at the offense overall and talking about trying just, just trying to be middle of the pack, how do you see this offense shaking out roster-wise? I, I see I'm from Ohio, so I, I know I know your receiver, Terry McLaurin. I, 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 yeah, fine receiver. And then I see a bunch of guys who I'm not very familiar with. What turns this offense around around your quarterback, whoever your quarterback is? Yeah, well, it would start with the quarterback playing well, and they need that. And so, you know, Sam Howell is this great unknown. I mean, he has a really strong arm. He is very mobile. And, you know, everyone speaks to him as being, you know, a smart guy, a good leader, things like that. But, of course, all of those things don't guarantee anything. I mean, you know, he could be a total flop. Like, we just don't know. But if he can just come out there and just be okay, then that will actually be a big upgrade, as, 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 like, as pathetic as that sounds. This team has not had okay quarterback play in quite some time. So, you know, it's going to start with the quarterback play, you know, assuming it's Sam Howell there. Then it goes to the offensive line. Is the offensive line better? The offensive line, if you look at the metrics last season, was woeful. Um, can the offensive line get back to a level of respectability? The line has gotten more athletic this offseason, but there are a lot of new pieces. We know with offensive lines, it's not just adding up the individual parts, but it's, you know, is the whole better than the sum of the parts and, and you know, guys working together and that kind of a thing. So, you know, that's going to be a big question. I don't think that this team is bad at the skill positions. I mean, at receiver, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan mm-hmm. Dotson, who, who had a nice rookie season, I mean, I think that's a pretty good top three at receiver. I do think there are questions at tight end. I think that's fair. Uh, and I think at running back, the team isn't great, but I think the team can be good enough. Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and uh, this kid Chris Rodriguez Jr., a running back out of Kentucky who the team took in the sixth round. Uh, the team actually had a uh, higher grade on him than where he was drafted. Second or third round grade got him in the sixth round. He had some off-the-field issues at Kentucky, but... You know, he's one of these classic sort of violent, you know, physical between the tackles, runners, uh, who I think actually could end up doing uh, some good things here. So I think the skill positions aren't like elite or anything like that, but especially at receiver, I think the team is in a pretty good place. I think it's telling that the commanders this offseason haven't done much to bolster the skill positions. I mean, save for drafting Rodriguez, there really hasn't been that much done at receiver, tight end, and back. I think that speaks to what the team believes, which is, Better quarterback play, better offensive line play, and new OC and the enemy, and uh, this offense can hopefully be better. Okay, I don't. I'm, I'm not. This is an off question. I'm not, I'm not being critical at all. But on the outside looking in, drafting not not hitting your offense until the third round, and very few free agent signings. A quarterback who's a fifth round guy that you've only play only had one game. It seems like it's not really enough to to be confident where this offense is going. So, what's the X factor here? What am I missing as an as someone who's looking at this team on paper, listening to you talk about right now? Yeah, I mean they're banking on the unknown of Sam Howell being an upgrade. They are, and look, it may, like I said, it may not work. Uh, I mean, I, I think you have to be open to that if you're a fan of the team. Like Sam is a great unknown. But, you know, we've seen in recent NFL history, 
there are guys who initially you look at and you say, what are you doing? And then, you know, the guy ends up being all right, maybe even better than all right. I mean, you know, the Brock Purdy thing with the Niners last season is a perfect example of that. Like nobody saw that coming, and yet he ended up being pretty good. Uh, so I think their hope is that, hey, if Sam, he doesn't have to be outstanding. If he can just be, you know, a decent enough player and we scheme it up well around him and we block well in front of him and our playmakers make the plays that they're capable of making, then the offense can be all right. I mean, it's a tricky thing because you have Rod Rivera entering his fourth season as head coach. You have new ownership coming in. Everyone believes that Ron is on a piping hot seat this season. And so what could end up happening is none of this works. Ron gets fired and everything gets blown up this coming offseason, especially considering that, again, you have new ownership coming. So, like, personally, as a fan, I really want one of two extremes with Sam. I want Sam to be really good, or I want him to be awful. Because if he's awful, then that puts you in position to take, say, a Caleb Williams or Drake May come the 2024 draft. And that may be what is best for this team. Um, ideally, Sam works out. And I think it's going to be interesting if Sam is, like, okay, but not really good nor really bad. Do you stick with him? Do you still blow it up? You know, if he's okay, does that actually do you harm? Because you end up with, say, you know, the number 12 overall pick as opposed to the number two or three overall pick. And the number two or three overall pick obviously could land you uh, a stud quarterback in the draft. So it's a a tricky thing right now if you're a fan of this team. And it may well be that this season is a lame duck season and everything's going to get, you know, blown to smithereens once the new ownership comes in and has itself a true offseason. But in terms of the here and now, with the ownership transition still happening, and you know, with Ron trying to save his job and trying to have a good season this coming season, I think the path that this team is looking at is, you know, can Sam be one of these guys, you know, like I said, a Brock Purdy, you know, a Jalen Hurts, you know, on and on, you know, Russell Wilson when he came into the league, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins even non-first-round quarterbacks who ended up being appreciably better than people thought. You know, it was weird with Sam in the 2020, what, we had 2022 draft. He fell to the fifth round. A lot of people I've talked to still don't really have a good handle on why that happened. It was odd with the quarterbacks in that 2022 draft. All of them, save for Kenny Pickett, fell and fell hard. And I know that the draft was not viewed as a great quarterback draft. But quarterback still matters far more than any other position. For all of these guys, save for Pickett, to not be taken until the third round or later, still seems kind of strange to me. And especially with Sam, Sam in the 2021 offseason at one point was talked about as maybe being the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. So I always felt like him falling to the fifth round uh, was like overly punitive. So not to say that he should have been a top 10 pick, but I don't know, a second or third round pick seemed to make some more sense. So um, so we'll see. I mean, again, no one is assuming anything with him, but I don't think it's impossible for him to end up being uh, at least all right as a quarterback. You mentioned Ron Rivera as being a on the hot seat here. How do you assess the job he's done thus far there? And, you know, where has he been great? Where has he failed? Yeah, I think he's been mediocre um, and that has not been good enough. So Ron is officially the head coach, but he's the head coach in what is a coach-centric approach. So he actually presides over player personnel in addition to being the head coach. And the results have been mixed. I mean, there have been some good things. There have been some player personnel hits. Uh, There have been some stretches in seasons in which the team has done well. I mean, the team in 2020 in the COVID season uh, off Ron having battled skin cancer 
uh, actually won the NFC East. Now, the NFC East that season was horrendous, but the team still won the division off uh, a 3-13 and 2019 season and made the playoffs and had a very competitive game against the eventual Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. So that 2020 season, all things considered, I thought was good. Uh, the 2021 season, the team was in playoff contention and faded down the stretch. Part of that uh, was the COVID outbreak late in the season. And then this past season, the team was very much in playoff contention and then faded down the stretch. And a good bit of that uh, was the team's offensive line and quarterback play uh, not being good, especially as the season went on. You know, the overall record is not good. Uh, like I said, though, there are some things that you can look at and be pleased with. I mean, there have been some good draft picks. The team has gotten a guy like, say, a Cam Curl, uh, took him in the seventh round of the 2020 draft. He has emerged into being one of the better safeties in the NFC. Uh, Derek Forrest, a fifth-round pick in the uh, 2021 draft. He's someone who has emerged as a really good safety. He had a very good season this past season. Uh, Jahan Dodson, team traded down, took him, got extra picks, uh, one of which was used on Sam Howell. You know, that looks like a pretty good move right now. There have been some on the cheap free agent signings that have worked out pretty well. So, like, all of those things have been good. The other thing, too, with Ron is that he was brought here in a lot of ways to fix a culture that was a mess. And I think at that regard, he has succeeded. But, look, we all know what, what this is about, winning. And in this NFL in which so many first- and second-year NFL head coaches do well, that Ron is three years into this thing and still hasn't had a winning regular season, that stands out. You know, I mean, I know for a lot of us as Commanders fans, seeing Brian Dable in year one with the Giants do what he did and win a playoff game. And, you know, here we are with Ron again, three seasons into this, and, you know, no playoff victories and no winning regular seasons. It's hard to accept that. So it's mixed with Ron. Like, I'm not going to sit here and trash him, but I can't sit here and throw bouquets at the guy either. And the other thing with Ron that stands out to me, too, is this. In this NFL, in which the undeniable trend with head coaches is you go younger and you go with a guy with an offensive background, the commanders in Ron have someone who is older and who has a defensive background. You know, that just doesn't seem to be the way of the league at this point. And so, you know, that, that is always, I, I know, weighing in my mind of like, are, are we just kind of approaching this thing all wrong? This is an offensive-minded league at this point. You don't really win with defense anymore. You win with offense. And so if you don't have an offensive-minded head coach and, you know, you don't have, say, a younger head coach, not that older head coaches can't succeed. I mean, Andy Reid is older and he's great. But uh, or you may be going against the grain in a way that you should not be. So with all that going on, and everything, everything you're talking about, the, the offensive offensive league, where they're going, the NFC East itself is, it's deep. It's got, it's, it's so much better than it was just a couple of years ago. Where do the commanders fit in this race next year with the Eagles being loaded, the Cowboys, who knows, the Giants are better. Where do the commanders sit? Yeah, I mean, I think you can make the case that this is still the fourth team in the four-team division, but I would throw a few things at you in that regard. So, number one, the NFC East has not had the same team win the division in back-to-back seasons in forever. you got to go back basically two days for that. So, it has been very unpredictable. Uh, it, is, it is division, division, but stability. So, I think there's that to keep in mind. Also, this. Uh, the, the Giants last season did really well, and they deserve a lot of credit. 
You know, I think there was, though, a house of cards element to the season that the Giants had. I would not be stunned if the Giants had a bit of a setback season this coming season. So I would keep that in mind. But look, if you're just playing the game of quarterback, matters the most. And you're looking at Jalen Hurts, Zach Prescott, Daniel Jones, Sam Howell. I mean, you can't realistically put Sam anywhere other than fourth in that ranking. And so if you have, in theory anyway, the worst of the four quarterbacks in the division, then it's going to be hard for you to do much better than, say, you know, third or fourth in the division. Now, if Sam ends up being really good, then all bets are off. Um, and obviously, you know, injuries can change everything. You know, if Jalen Hurts get in, gets injured in week two, uh, then that changes the complexion of the division. I think Washington's defense uh, stacks up quite well with every team in the division. But the quarterback is an unknown, and the offense overall is hard to feel great about until you see it be better. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we know the nature of the NFL, and so you always sort of hope that, hey, you expect the unexpected. And so the fact that Washington would be viewed as potentially the worst team in the, in the division, maybe that in and of itself is a reason to think that the team might be all right, because whenever you think you know, you don't know in the NFL. But no doubt, I mean, if you're doing like a coherent, sober analysis of these four teams, it's very difficult to make the case for the commanders being, you know, any better than, say, the third place team in this division, at least uh, given what we know right now. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time. Learned a lot as the word this team is. It's it's a, <laughs> it's always interesting watching the commanders drama because it always seems like there is drama. Maybe the signals that there's new winners coming in with possibly finding stability at quarterback. Maybe the drama is starting to come to an end, at least in a good way. That's what I would it, hope would be. It would be nice. Uh, we've had enough drama for years now with this team, you know, with the scandals, you know, with just the name. I mean, the name situation has been a drama in and of itself. So, yeah, it would be nice to get back to football, and it would be nice to get back to winning football. But uh, we'll see where we are with that. Oh, my goodness. That reminds me. I just read this. What's to do with the name? Are they being forced to change it again? Well, they're not being forced to, but a lot of people want them to change it. I mean, first of all, a lot of people think they should have never changed from Redskins. And then a lot of people hate commanders. So one of the big things with the new ownership is going to be what the new ownership thinks of the name, what the new ownership uh, decides to do with the name. So we don't we don't know what's going to happen. I, I think there's a decent chance the team just sticks with commanders. I don't think the NFL wants the team changing its name again. I mean, I, I do think it gets a little embarrassing if you if you end up going with what would be a fourth different name uh, over these last few years. But yeah, I mean, it is up in the air. Like, it's not a guarantee that commanders is the long term name here. So uh, there is that drama uh, that still could be coming. Oh my goodness! All right, again, can let people know where they can find all your work. I know you're not just a football guy, you're a DC sports guy. So where can they, where can they find everything about you? Yeah. So I do the Al Galdi podcast, new episode out uh, each weekday morning out uh, before 6 a.m. Eastern. And uh, you obviously can find that wherever you find uh podcast. So Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. Uh, I also do a national specific podcast called Match Chat. That's on Blue Wire as well. And uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Al Galdi, G-A-L-D-I. All right, Al, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I hope we're talking to you again at some point. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. All right, so the commanders are interesting. They have a lot going on. 
that are positive. I really like the direction they're heading in with, with personnel. But they're in a division right now that has a lot of talent. That's, that's suddenly gotten very good, and I don't know how that pans out. So good luck to them. Good luck to, to both the RJ Albany, Brad Ward, and Al Galdi as they cover their teams this year. And I hope to be talking with, the, with both them again soon. Now, the Rams. Rams in camp right now, getting ready for their first big matchup. And the preseason game is, is going to be against the Chargers on Saturday night. So you know the time when we're actually putting this out. The thing I, I just want to mention here, though, is that, remember, very few stars are going to start in this game. This is all about getting guys, young guys, snaps. And all of a sudden, the Rams are now one of the youngest teams in the league. So that's what I'm looking for. My three, key, my three things I want to see this weekend, I want to see who touches the ball offensively the guys who are going to be the second teamers. I want to see how backup quarterback looks, uh, you know, specifically Stetson Bennett. And I really want to see how this defensive line gels a little bit with, you know, all the changes that have happened there. So safeties as well. Don't forget safeties. They have very young safety core. So look for those things this weekend. Follow us on, on Facebook, on Twitter, AKX. You know, it's just, it's just weird to me. At Rams Talk Radio, Talk Rams, okay? Me and DC Apollo. And don't forget to follow both Brad Ward and Al Gaudi on Twitter as well. Have a great one, and we're out of here.